0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Life, love, and liberty. It's Monica Matthews. Good rainy Thursday to you, Georgia. I don't know where the rest of you are. I know you guys tune in from all around the country and the globe, actually, which is very cool. Got to love the interwebs for that reason. Hey, if you haven't signed up on Periscope to follow me, I highly encourage you to do that. It'll alert you whenever I'm on. You can also set your settings on Twitter and other um, social media outlets to follow me and get like, you know, what the heck is Monica doing now? It'll drive you crazy my my significant other just got on twitter not long ago and and made the mistake of doing exactly that which is alerting him to every single move i make on twitter and so the phone's like bzz, bzz. and usually i'm trying to stay out of twitmo with my tweets actually i'm not that bad this is my second day of freedom my second day of the shawshank redemption freedom that I so deserve because Twitter let me out of prison. This is the week of pardons. Thank you, Mr. President. (laughs) I don't know who creates these things, but one of my followers created the most amazing meme of me in, like, a little jail cell sitting on top of, like, a Twitter bird. Like, my head is the head of the Twitter bird. It's hilarious. And he has, like, a little picture of... Cat turd, a little picture of the president, you know, Twitmo, and free Monica. That was like a hashtag. You guys are awesome, by the way. And I really am in a much better mood in my life and space in my life because, I mean, do you know how it feels to just have literally 20,000 people? It was, It's like the rapture. It's like way, being banned on Twitter is like waking up the day after the rapture. And you go, where did everybody go? Like all your friends just disappeared and you're left behind. Except for it's kind of in reverse, And that I'm in jail and the rest of you, I could see you tweeting about me. <laughs> you're literally like a fish in a fishbowl going I'm trying to say something and no one can hear me because I've been placed in twitmo by a twenty year old. <laughs> it's so bad. This is you know what it is, you guys? This is like retribution on parents. Cause you gotta know the people running Twitter right? Twitter, 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 are like 20, 20 to 30. So thanks for being crappy parents and producing kids who now have the ability to go, I don't like what you said, delete. <laughs> and your entire monetization existence is gone because we all have to be equal. I had representative, Doug Collins in with me today uh, because my producer's amazing and gets to really amazing people before I do. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh no, you don't!" Well, we got him. I'm gonna get him. Um, he's uh, he's better known as the Bulldog in the House of Representatives who went to all kinds of uh, verbal blows and with others uh, over the hashtag. Uh, fake impeachment trial. Um, you know, it's amazing that we still use legal terms to define that whole disaster, even though it's not a legal proceeding. And so none of the same legal rules apply. I mean, it's, it's it's so confusing for people because the rhetoric that you saw online during that time was very legal ease like, but none of it mattered. No, none of it even applied really, because the House can do whatever the House decides they want to do with regard to impeachment, as we've seen. (laughs) So, uh, And then it's up to the Senate to put on, you know, to go from pull-ups to actual cotton underwear for the country to, you know, come to the realization that the House has been playing political shenanigans with the country's, really, our sovereignty, if you think about it. I mean, think about how that entire debacle been allowed to um, have the outcome that the Democrats had hoped for by overturning your voice. Because if you're listening to me, chances are um, you have either been a Trump supporter in the past or you are now or, you know, you're on the you're on the fence because I do hear from a lot of people who are just centric. They're right down the middle. They're so disappointed with like stuff they saw last night. At the debate, which I, I literally caught five seconds of, of this just all out, like a rodeo, like it was complete chaos on the stage. And I'm like, I hope instead of mocking the left, that America's is re- just looking at it for exactly what it is, what the display you saw last evening is exactly the state of the party. Really important to understand, because this few group of people are telling you they represent your neighbor who might have aligned with the Democrat Party for life. But I promise you, your neighbor's probably going, not a big Trump fan, but this is crazy. It's time to leave the plantation. <laughs> but where are they going to go? Okay, check this out. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse faced lesbians. I actually (laughs) welcomed Mayor Bloomberg to the stage. I thought that he shouldn't be hiding behind his TV ads. Let's put forward somebody who's actually a Democrat. Look. believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires. What a wonderful country. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. Hello? We could wake up two weeks from today, the day after Super Tuesday, and the only candidates left standing will be Bernie Sanders and Mike Bloomberg, the two most polarizing figures on this stage. Wow. (laughs) There's no... I mean this is this is what happens and I tell you I think some of you are concerned about the Senate race here in the state of Georgia with Doug Collins and Kelly Leffler turning into the same show from the from the GOP standpoint. Um and quite honestly that's kind of exactly what is happening right now in terms of ads. You know the hit pieces have already begun. And you know, I got to tell you, ladies, something that is really not, and to you voters, I'd really love for you to shift your mind on something. Just because you're a girl does not mean that you're off limits. And we do it as Republicans as well. And I'm not saying that Kelly Leffler is a Republican. I'm not completely sold on where she is historically or today or will be, more importantly, will be in the future. Because again, remember yesterday's show I told you to allow people to reserve the right to change. And so some people are like, Well, you know, she hasn't been in office, but she supported this and she gave money to this and her husband did this. And 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 I'm like, Yeah, true. But some people do kind of have a political epiphany at some point. Maybe their money starts shifting channels. And so some people do change. Me personally. I tend to look at who people sleep with. What? <laughs> what did she just say? <laughs> yeah. So, fun fact. Unless your home is the War of the Roses, um, you are likely going to align with your spouse on issues of policy if you're in politics. And Miss Loeffler's husband championed the defeat of our Religious Freedom Act here in the state of Georgia when he was the head of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. You have to ask yourself, why is the Chamber of Commerce so interested in our politics? Duh. So it is the fountainhead of all crony capitalism. So look no further than your local Chambers of Commerce's if you want to see where the tide of your state is going to shift, all you have to do is follow the money trail. But for someone to be married to someone who, who, mm. I almost use the term valiantly, but who championed the defeat of our First Amendment, mm. I don't know how quick you turn from that. And I don't know that your money's aligned, your ideology's aligned, your, your morals are aligned with someone that you are, someone who you are married to, how that doesn't spill over into your own politics. Because remember, my show has historically been on faith, life, and politics. It is life, love, and liberty because love does represent faith, right? Right. And our lives are interwoven with politics. It's kind of like the law. For those of you who are like, well, I don't have a run-in with the law. Well, the law is going to run head into you, headfirst into you at some point in your life. You will collide with the law. You have to because we live in a land of laws for now. (laughs) Granted, they do not apply equally across the board (laughs) as we have seen with the um, impeachment process against the president, but nevertheless, we, um, we're um we all called to, you know, a, a standard of living according to the law of the land here in the United States of America. We're also called to due process, which we don't see, you know, a lot of that exercised as well. Speaking of, the Boy Scouts of America filing for bankruptcy, right? Okay, this is a very hot topic for me. I will have a young lady on my show, likely this Sunday, who is, as we speak, uh, on the staircase of our state capitol, uh, giving a press conference regarding uh, an amendment that she would like to see um, in the way of our state legislators being allowed to take legislative leave uh, to the detriment of cases that they may have Uh, Working, in process She would like to see this amendment come forward To attach to that bill that says Hey, if your case involves a child Or sexual exploitation or abuse Or molestation or rape Of someone I believe 16 years and younger Your legislative leave is off the table As a legislator You cannot utilize that as an excuse For not pursuing justice in a timely manner. And the reason why this is important is because we have a speaker in the state of Georgia who used in excess his legislative leave authority to essentially delay justice, and in particular, her case, where she was raped at 14 years of age by a pastor in her own home and has yet to see Justice, and I believe she's now 19, has caused her family a great deal of harm, and including her health, mental, physical, and otherwise. So I applaud her, and you can tune in this Sunday and listen to my time with her. Uh, but back to the Boy Scouts. What does that have to do with this? Well, the Boy Scouts apparently are giving you a whole 80 days to file your claim. <laughs> If you're trying to get some money so you can actually pay to help continue to restore your life, which, trust me, will be an ongoing endeavor for you if you've been sexually abused as a child because it just is, right? And people go, well, what's money going to do? The poor Boy Scouts. I had a guy literally lose his mind who calls himself a conservative and a journalist on my Facebook page because I I took a screenshot of his post that was basically calling victims a bunch of greedy broods well, it's just victims, the poor the poor Boy Scouts. What a what a what a stellar American institution and should not be shut down. The whole institution shouldn't be shut down because of a few greedy people who claim that they've been molested and raped by, you know, people in the Boy Scouts of America who've been protected. And people protect their own in these entities, I'm telling you, because of exactly that. They don't want to stain. They have you know, completely forgetting that the stain just gets bigger over time because all things that happen in the dark come to light eventually in all of our lives. It's just a fact. It's the truth. That's what happens. And so now the truth has been shown on all of these cases of all of these people who a lot of them are now adults. Sorry if you're in the state of Georgia. It doesn't look like your legislature is actually going to sign on with a Child Victims Act even this year to give you civil remedy, not criminal I understand the statute of limitations has run out on that, but civilly speaking, you should be able to go after the entity who harbored your pedophile, much like the president's wanting to go after cities now, harboring illegals. I absolutely am on board with that, positively. I mean, the states, listen, I'm a states' rights girl, but when the states' rights have now somehow usurped federal law with regard to immigration, you have mayors, you have governors, you have judges, you have DAs and prosecutors, law enforcement, refusing to adhere to federal law where illegals are concerned. And it's astounding to me that someone can just go, nope, we've decided we're going to be a welcoming city, as what my mayor calls it in Atlanta. But we're, we've decided we're just going to harbor illegals. Shove it. I mean, Again. It's the world we live in. So someone has to take a stand and say no more. There has to be a father in the room. Remember the president used a term that no president in the history of the presidency of the United States of America has ever used with regard to God. Do you remember what that was? That was his national prayer breakfast speech when he referred to God as father. And we live in such a fatherless society. Most of you, that I would even use the term father and Donald Trump in the same sentence, you just go, what? But it it does matter. It's important. There has to be a daddy in the room at some point. We need a man to lead. Boy, I'm going to get some emails from people. (laughs) What are you saying? Women can't lead? Nope. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that in these perilous times, the thought of Elizabeth Warren running my country is enough to make me want to flee to another planet because nowhere's safe on this planet, in case you haven't noticed. The whole world is open borders. The Soros family's making sure of that. <laughs> but no, men and women have distinct places in the order of creation. And I am very grateful that my father, God, saw to it for such a time as this to place a man, a father, someone who has the stones and God knows the energy to be able to take the hits that he has to lead this country. And remember yesterday I said I'm not a cult member because I'm not. I didn't agree with my own father on everything. I'm not going to agree with the president on everything, but he's still my president, and I believe he has a father's heart. That's important. For those of you playing identity politics in the state of Georgia, especially through the GOP, you need to knock it off. You're looking to Kelly Loeffler to be some kind of a, you know, she's pretty. So what? So am I. I don't need to be a U.S. senator at the moment. So what? She's got beautiful, long, illustrious blonde hair, and she's a business owner. She has some success. Wonderful. Okay, what what else is she bringing to the table? I certainly hope my party's a little bit deeper than that. I hope. I don't know. The state's divided. Going back to the Boy Scouts, you have 80 days to file a claim. They filed for bankruptcy. I had a guy come after me telling me that, you know, I'm the devil um, because we're all greedy, Right. He threatened to have me shut down on Facebook. I'm like, hot joke's on you. That's already happened. (laughs) So I'm back. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) just that thing that you just take a whack at, and I just pop right back up. So you know what you do with people like that, folks? You just block them. Just block B, block C, gone, dink. Just hit the elevator button and let them go. (laughs) Just flush the toilet. Don't even lose sleep over it. But the Boy Scouts say, the Boy Scout says that it's safe and offers sex abuse victims just 80 days to file a claim. So where is all of this, where is all of this language? It's in their documentation for their bankruptcy paperwork, right? Which is why this wasn't the leading, it's like, well, at least they're going to get some money out of it. Well, if you figure it out within 80 days, you better run to the front of the line. And some people are still not even, as victims, they're still not even okay admitting that things of this nature happen. Oh my gosh, if you're one of those people and you're listening to me, please do yourself a favor. Get a counselor, get some help, but get to the front of the line on this. Because trust me, over time, you're going to need the counseling services. You're going to need whatever issues pop up in your life. You need to have financial help to get through that. I'm just I've seen it over the years with counseling, drug addiction, marital issues, family breakups. I mean cuz it's it's sexual abuse ends up being a systemic issue in someone's life. It's not just something that happens. It's something that literally you have to just take off and overcome day by day. And you can. I ran into a woman last night who's coming up on her 5 year anniversary here in the city of Atlanta of a heinous crime, a home invasion. Where she was pistol whipped, they were nearly shot execution style. I mean, they caught the three perpetrators that had like a 16 uh, 16, um, home invasion, you know, across spanning across southern states. And she and her boyfriend at the time happened to be um, victims of this gang. Really, uh, there was a gang prosecution involved here in the state of Georgia and Fulton County. And uh, she's coming up on her five-year anniversary. And she kept saying to me, you know, no, I'm not a victim. She was trying to convince herself, I'm not a victim. Because a lot of times when we're victimized, we're like, I'm not a victim, I'm good. I did that for uh, uh, 43 years of my life until I went down to sit for a Senate Judiciary hearing on this exact legislation that I'm dealing with right now in the state of Georgia called the Child um, Victims Act, previously known as the Hidden Predator Act. And I sat and listened to victim after victim after victim after victim. And I was like, holy crap. I've been living in denial like I knew I was victimized but I was that same person who's like I'm not a victim I'm like as I told her last night I was like you're right you're not a victim but you have been victimized it's really important to make that distinction and to seek your healing to seek your remedy so for the boy scouts Of America, they've given you 80 days to do so. Astounding to me that some people are still more upset about the fact that the Boy Scouts now have a stain, you know, kind of like the Catholic Church. And it's like, you know, you, you cannot defend those types of actions. I'm sorry, they're indefensible. They just are. And I realize that victimized people, you know, victimize others. I get all of that. But there's no defense for someone who would literally create a file sit down with the family and the perpetrator and basically arbitrate a criminal activity, a criminal offense, and say, hey, let's just deal with it in-house because, you know, we don't want people to... We don't want people to uh, find out about us and think that we're bad. Of course, the Girl Scouts of America are kind of insulated because, after all, if they're not molesting kids, at least they have Planned Parenthood to extinguish kids. I mean... Sick stuff where, whenever you follow the money trail of things, you just go, What? I'm sorry. We're supporting Girl Scouts of America. And I know I'm going to get hate mail about this because this is what, because again, I understand these institutions are your sacred cows. (laughs) I get it, but they're not mine. Hell, my own Congress is not a sacred cow for me. It's a thing, it is a God inspired institution, our government, in order to have order, which is not what we saw. On the Democrat on the Democrat stage last night, um, I took a poll on Twitter not long ago about seatbelts, which I found really interesting. How many people? Um, because in the state of Georgia, I believe we're looking at passing legislation right now to uh, mandate another regulation, that another fine, <laughs> another money source. <laughs> For every little infraction, there's another $50 fine, $100 here, $1,000 there, for people in the back seat of vehicles to uh, have to wear their seatbelt, which I already do because I've seen too many people splattered across an interstate. You know, for some reason, I don't know what it is. You know, whenever you get into the back of an Uber Black, you're just like, oh, I'm safe. <laughs> there's just this or a cab. All of a sudden, you are uh, you are no longer human. <laughs> it's just like, I'm invincible. Because this guy in front is driving. I'm just getting in and I'm just safe. But I've seen too many people in accidents where I'm like, hmm, who were in the back seat, who are now out on the interstate. And I'm like, yeah, not a good look. Definitely not the way I want to go. But should seatbelts be mandated? Your, your responses were kind of all over the board, but the general consensus was I'd rather keep the government out of my vehicle. In that way. Because man- some people were actually saved not wearing their seatbelts. Others were saved because they were there or they believe they were saved because they had their seatbelts on. But again, I ask you, you know, was that a God thing? Maybe it just wasn't your time. Maybe it was the other person's time. I don't know. But with regard to regulation, well, now speaking of nanny states and abdicating all authority regarding our children, which we do really well. And then we complain because the government's so big. But now we're looking at mandating vaping. Like now we're getting into the vaping uh, industry. Let's not forget what it is. It's an industry. So you have to ask yourself who's leading this charge. But this is what we're dealing with now with regard to vaping in your children. My son suffered so bad from this and he almost died. Swanee mom Amy Sedgwick is hopeful the bill sponsored by Representative Bonnie Rich will pass this session helping others to avoid what her son went through. It would tack on a 7% excise tax and require all retailers to obtain a state license to sell vape products. If they think that they'll lose their license to sell the product, they're going to enforce the law. That's why we don't have the same epidemic with tobacco and alcohol right now that we're seeing with vapes. From the state capitol, Sandra Parish, 95.5. WSB. Okay. Really? I mean, again, it sounds great. Yeah, just make a law. Just put a fine on it. Why can't you govern your own families? I don't understand this. Well, I can't control them when they're at school. To hell you can't. Mine was 2,200 miles away, and if you don't think I had a little control fork from Georgia to the left coast, you're wrong. Because that's how I parent. Now, granted, I couldn't reach everything she was into, but I reached enough. And Mama was on a plane, surprise, (laughs) more than once, to be like, what are you doing? I'm here to snatch you up because just because you're 18 and you think you're grown and you've somehow flown... And you're out here on the left coast thinking you're living large and big and crazy with hashtag movements every other week. I don't think I've shared this story in a while, especially with my new audience. I think I'll go there now. Speaking of no abdication on my part as a widowed single mama, my daughter's on the left coast. She's at school. People are like, why in the world did you send her out there? I'm like, because I raised her with the word of God first and foremost, and I'm me. And I knew what I put inside of her I knew what I had raised her with I knew the, gar- the ground that I had cultivated It was just the two of us My husband died Like we were thicker than thieves So I knew it I knew she'd stray a little bit I knew she'd go off the path But I also knew that she would be recovered And I also believe the scripture Whatever it says That even when a person is old Even when a man is old Train him up in the way he should go And he will not depart from it He or she So I believed in that And I held God accountable to his word Some of you are like What? He says, remind me of my promises. Because he's a what? A father. And he wants to know you're paying attention. And he wants to know that you have faith in what he said he would do. So there were many nights where she's acting all kinds of janky. And I'm like, okay, this is your daughter too. And she's an orphan, so she's definitely your daughter. You need to yank her up before I fly out there and yank her weave off her head. I mean, it was bad. She was literally no longer on that campus. Uh, she was there for no longer than, I don't know, it was still her first quarter, maybe second second quarter, freshman year, USC. She's still living in a dorm. And, of course, she's just Miss Big Britches because she's flown the coop. She's out She's out on the West Coast just, you know, doing her thing. And this was the time when black colleges were really rallying behind um. Black Lives Matter, you know, where e- equity across the board and in learning institutions and and you know, where un- just unfairness, everything is, you know, just not equitable. And she was still trying to find her way between, you know, she's bi-ethnic, by the way. So she's like, "Hmm, do I join a white sorority? <laughs> Will I fit in? Am I too light for the black for this black sorority? Am I too dark for this light light black sorority?" I mean, this is the world in which we live. Sorry, it just is. Everyone's a bigot on some level. Sorry, just true. It's just true on both sides. So, she's deciding that she's going to go stand in solidarity. She calls me. She goes, "Mom, I just want to let you know that you might see me on CNN this evening because you know I was I was like, oh, really? Why is that? Well, because you know I was standing in solidarity with other historically black colleges and and black students across the country who just feel blah 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 blah." blah. Their opportunities aren't the same. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what. Um, Here's what you need to do. You need to take your little solidarity standing butt, your little bi-ethnic butt, back to your dorm, and you need to be super grateful for some old crusty white guy who probably poured into the fund that is affording you the opportunity to go to a $260,000 education. Let's do that. And let's make sure that mommy doesn't see you on CNN ever again. Okay, we're going to hang up now. And she's like, mom, I'm like, see ya. We did not have that conversation again. I put it in perspective for her. It wasn't enough to say, what are you doing? Or, okay, I understand. Good for you, honey. You're finding your way. I'm like, no, here's your way. Here's your lane. As your parent, it's my job to remind you first of who you are. Even when they go to college, especially when they're in elementary, middle, and high school, what are you doing? Your kids are vaping, and you're going to tell me that you need a representative Bonnie Rich to protect your child from a vape, from a vaping industry, from any industry? And then you call yourself a Republican? No. Absolutely not. Stop it. Knock it off. You're upset about this whole generation that doesn't know who to follow down the swamp drain. So they're, they're following after socialism. You know why? Because you won't stand up. They're looking for a community, for a commune of life. And they're buying into this crap because you won't stand up as a parent. Hell, you won't even vote for school choice because you don't want to have the choice. It's just too much Just send them to school. You'd rather spin your wheels fighting over education than ensuring that you sit down at the dinner table at night and make sure they know accurate U.S. history, accurate world history. Well, I got to work. So did I. And I'll tell you what, if your hobbies and your play toys and your vacations and your clothes and your clutches and your purses and your furs and your ATVs and your boats and your guns and whatever. And your sororities and your grown adult fraternities and all these things that you pour into all these organizations. If they're taking up too much of your money, your resources of time to be with your kids, your little wine clubs. All the stuff that y'all are into as parents that we've all been into. If it's coming before your child and it is not affording you the opportunity or the time to pour into your child, you are part of the problem in this country and you deserve the country that you're going to get within the next 15 years. It is not your child's fault. I am so tired of blaming this generation of young people. I am over it. And I have my own issues with my own daughter. You can hear her on my show every week. We do a podcast together. <laughs> and it's not boring. And we make some of you go, did you really just talk about that? I'm like, well, yeah, who else is she going to talk about it with? Why is anything off limits? But to sit down in her lane and say, no, babe, here's the deal. We need to get real about how you are afforded the opportunity to go to USC. Part of it. Is because of your skin color. Part of it's because of your sex. Part of it, and a large part of it, is because you're a really smart kid and you worked your butt off in school and kept a 4.2 grade point average to get there. And part of it is because I believe it was purposed for her to go there. She was literally in the fire and came out with a few burns here and there. But I didn't. I never abdicated my authority. Do you understand the reason why our crime rates are through the roof? The reason why I have to have conversations with Representative Doug Collins about criminal gang activity, criminal gang statutes federal on a federal level. All these other, you know, the governors on the, you know, he's trying to keep everyone safe now with... Anti-criminal uh, gang activity legislation. You know everything's a crisis. Do you know why we're at crisis level in this country? Do you know why I have to look to a state representative, to a congressman, to ensure that we're that we're safe, that we have the proper measures in place for accountability courts and for hug a thugs and for whatever. You know, you know why I have to do that because you abdicate your authority. Because we hate authority, we're a rebellious generation. That's why they hate the president. He exercises his authority. They can't stand it. He made a phone call. A phone call that every president in the history of the presidency has made. (laughs) Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, our ambassador, she sucks. She's got to (laughs) go. So I do have that authority to actually make that decision, by the way. I made a phone call. I have the authority to do that, too. Someone was listening in. Here's the transcript. This is actually what I said. This is what I said. I have the authority to ask questions. I have the authority to ask you, have your has your country been investigating this I have the authority. We hate authority, which is why we constantly question what he's doing. We hate it. We are a rebellious generation. and your kids are too. And so if your kid goes to school and vapes, why should a vaping company be held responsible for that? I don't understand that. Why well, I'm from the South. I'm gonna tell you now, we hightail it. I did. I hightailed it to wherever my daughter was, including 2,200 miles away, impromptu, to yank her butt up. That's how I was raised. I was raised under authority. I was raised to respect authority. So I have a real problem with this legislation. I don't like it. I think it's, you know, we're just gonna keep the baby safe. No, you keep your own baby safe. I've kept mine safe. So when does the mind shift occur in the country? on a fun note i asked my twitter followers (laughs) you saw mine what was yours mr p What i asked you guys what was the scariest movie this is priceless i love it it's so fun what movie traumatized you as a kid what was yours Oh, The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. That was mine. That was so mine. Seven hundred and twenty people so far have answered this question. This is phenomenal. The Exorcist, uh, the movie. Tra- that movie traumatized my sister so much that she didn't sleep an hour for almost two straight weeks. You said you couldn't sleep without the lights on for like two nights. <laughs> I mean, who creates crap like that? Okay, but for some reason, you guys. Okay, being a minister. This is, I know, I get it. I have seen some things that you would be like, whatever. But uh, Hollywood is like, no joke. Oh, that's right. See that damn creepy music, too. <laughs> what movie that from? Is it the exorcist? Ah, turn it off. I hate it. <laughs> it is so bad. Here it comes. Oh, God. There she is, head spinning around, crawling backwards down the stairs. I'm like, oh, who thinks of that? But seriously, I think the demonics is what really freak people out because, you know, we know. You know how we know? Because we are first spiritual beings having a human experience. Everything I believe happens in the spirit first and then it manifests here. Okay, Death Race 2000, cheesy and campy. Uh but that scene where Stallone runs over a guy's head and it pops and splatters on the road just freaked me out back in the 70s. Uh the original Frankenstein, Jaws was a big one. Um The Omen, absolutely. The Birds. Saw it on TV as a kid and it scared the out of me. <laughs> uh let's see. Uh Jaws and Alien. Okay. To this day I refuse to watch The Exorcist. Says Linda, that's because she's smart. Uh jaws again, Wizard of Oz. That came up several times. You know it's those Damn Monkeys. I'm telling you it's the Monkeys. It's not even the witch. It's the flying monkeys. And so okay, hold on. Uh Some people are just silly. Um The Exorcist, The Exorcist, Old Yeller. That came up several times. <laughs> Yeah, probably because the dog died. <laughs> Rosemary's Rosemary's baby. That was a big one. Carrie was super gross to me. Halloween too. growing up with the largest mental hospital four miles from my house didn't help things much. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, Amityville Horror was another big one. Okay. Um, how about Christine? Oh, yeah. This person said Christine. Absolutely. That creeped me out. I did not like that. Someone else said, <laughs> Binkley says, <laughs> Monica Perez's producer, my colleague, Binkley says, The sound of music. <laughs> I got to like that. <laughs> um, okay. So, when asked in paramedic school, what's the biggest concern in a saltwater drowning? My answer was Sharks. Jaws was my least favorite movie. Children of the Corn. Absolutely. Hands down was Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock kind of a scary thing in your generation Not, to me he became kind of campy in my lifetime but what about you mr b was that, was that like a big deal yeah, more suspenseful okay yeah he was a man <laughs> he was a master filmmaker he um, okay. he plotted every second of every film really oh yeah okay yeah huge huge uh, control freak oh uh, well that that doesn't surprise me then one person said um that after watching um psycho, they couldn't shower <laughs> with the shower curtain closed for like two weeks. I'm like, I hear ya. Uh Amityville Horror again, hands down, Exorcist, Poltergeist, um, the original Titanic <laughs> and Old Yeller. The thing. Ugh. I don't like anything like with clowns, like it. And all that stuff is just... And Stephen King's like a wackadoo anyway, especially on politics. Uh, Bambi, I was four. What kind of company makes a movie for children that shoots the mother and burns his house to the ground? I mean, seriously, though. Think about some of the themes of Disney and Disney movies. <laughs> okay, Psycho, uh, The Exorcist, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, The Eyes of Laura Mars. I'm not familiar with that. Um, Uh, I don't remember a movie being a traumatic experience. I was taught the difference between fiction and nonfiction as a child. What did encourage my thought process to want to understand evil um, and what drove the insane people were like Manson and Jones. Now, that's interesting because I said Helter Skelter. Not one person mentioned that movie, which was... um, Yeah, not one, out of all, I don't think. I'll have to go through all 700 and something of them, but I did not see Holter Skelter. And the other one was um, Clockwork Orange. Oh! And I know for my Libertarian buddies, like you guys are all on that stuff. As for me, it just, I, I was a kid and I saw that rape scene. And it did it, it just did me in. I was little and I just, I just happened to be walking through the room and my older sisters were watching it. And I was like, and I just remember standing there, stopping and and wondering what they were doing to that woman. And she just sounded so, it was yeah, it was awful. It was horrible. And then Helter Skelter was around during that time too. The murder of Sharon Tate and um, you know Manson's whole crew, which was just gross. Uh, again, Children of the Corn, um, The Sound of Music, Abby Jaws. Someone said the Gremlins. <laughs> the shining it took it took it took about a couple hundred people before someone finally said the shining and I was like yeah that's pretty scary uh old yeller we always had to go out before the end and then when we did find out what happened it was kind of like Phoebe on friends (laughs) the fly that was gross yeah that was gross that that was not okay poltergeist ooh William says the scariest movie I ever saw was the Blair Witch Project I never saw that did you see that See anything like Mothman diaries and crap like that where I'm just like "Mm." and again I think part of that whole demonic thing is because we know that it's real. This isn't just some, I mean now granted some of the scenes in in Exorcist you're kind of like but uh, fun fact, people do levitate. (laughs) Um, Demonics do present themselves in a myriad of ways not the least of which is just vile profanity Um, just you can I've been in rooms before where you just you can smell that there's a presence that's there Um, you know we make a lot of fun of the left we talk about demonics but all jokes aside (laughs) uh, you know anything that's going to enlist a culture of death hell and destruction and oppression and poverty In the name of sameness and and homogenization, (laughs) that's probably not going to be of God. Just going to warn you. Okay. The Clowns. Uh, Chucky. Dracula. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Dracula. What about Dracula movies? What about you? No? You didn't care? Only The Exorcist scared you. Is that right? Is it still like that? Like, you still freaked out kind of about, like... I've never seen it again. I was... Me either. 1978. Uh, is that right? Oh, no. Before that. It like, did? Oh, yeah. I'll look it up. Because I was a kid. And you know what? My mom, thanks, mom. She made me watch it with her. And my dad was out of town. And then she's like, hey, why don't you go downstairs and get something? I'm like, are you crazy? I'm not going downstairs. I was like, this is my first act of rebellion. I'm not going downstairs. I just watched this. And mom's like literally under the covers with with a cover just below her eyes, and every time that crazy thing would do something, she'd flip the cover over her eyes, and then she sends me downstairs in the dark. 1973. The Exorcist. And the book came out in 1971, the year I was born. Are you kidding me? By William Blatty. I didn't know it was that old. Mm-hmm. But the movie came out in '72, '73, '73. Mm-hmm. I was two years old. Wow. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense because it was already on television whenever we watched it. You know, back then, there we didn't have cable. There was like three stations and four was like the, you know, uh, TBS, Saturday movies with Elvira, with her big, the Mistress of the Dark, with her big boobies. Is she still around? I don't know. I think her boobies are. Um, hey, you're back. I checked your, yes, I'm back. The Fly, The Omen, uh, The Pinhead series, The Thing, Nightmare on Elm Street was a big deal. The Twilight Zone. Those never scared me um invasion of the body snatchers I was like yes that app the gremlins scare the crap out of me too because I and to this day if I'm standing with my feet under the bed even though my bed is literally has that much space between the floor and the bottom of my mattress because it's like a platform bed I'm still like something could be under my bed and grab my feet right now Like I hate scary movies. But I started thinking, and I'm going to ask Allie about this. My daughter is a neuroscience minor. I want to ask her about this, about fear and and what it does in the mind of people, in people's literally in the makeup of your brain synapses. Because some people on here reading through the comments said that they were addicted to scary movies ever since they saw their first one. They were scared to death, but then they could not get enough of them. Some people said they were so scared that they never they they just stayed scared and they didn't ever want to watch something like that again. There's definitively some type of an adrenaline connection, and I'm no neuroscientist, but my daughter kind of is. But I want to ask her, you know, what is that? That some people's brains literally get triggered by the fear and they get like a rush from it. So they want to. They don't want to watch it, but they want to watch it. It becomes addictive. And that's what happened to me. As I got older, I was horrible. I was so mean. I would take my girlfriends up to my parents' cabin. We, they had a mountain house. <laughs> and we're like down in the woods. There's nobody there. And I'm the prankster. I'm the jokester. So we turn on scary movies. I'm the one outside running around the cabin, you know, scaring the crap out of people, telling stories. And I, I was awful. I look back on it now. And then just I think whenever I came to the Lord in 2000 with my new birth of Christianity experience and all of that and started understanding about what a spirit of fear does. I got angry by how much fear had been instilled in me as a kid in that I could no longer, you know, thank you, um, deliverance. (laughs) My parents' cabin was in North Georgia. Walking through the woods, I'm constantly like, you know... I'm, I hear that damn banjo in my head, right? Because that's dun 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 dun, <laughs> and that creepy person sitting on the bridge with his banjo, banjo, just waiting to shove somebody down into some like old musty dungeon underneath a bunch of leaves, right? The trap door that no one ever finds you in, that kind of stuff. So all of those scenarios are running through my head where I can't even enjoy the wind blowing through the trees, and I'm out, I'm out in nature by myself, whatever. I'm in the ocean. Without fail, I'm thinking somewhere in the back of my mind, where's that friggin shark? <laughs> I mean it's true. <laughs> you know it's true. So and you know, clowns never been a big fan. I'm not really a friend. but dolls I had I had creepy porcelain dolls with those glass eyes, you know that you're just like, I know that stupid thing's looking at me, right? But by far the scariest, I think, for sure, Um, and and really working in ministry where I just, you know, it it freaks most people out. You just don't want to hear my stories, and you're like, oh, no, that's kind of weird. That doesn't happen, but it does, and evil does manifest. And, uh, you know, whenever the temperature, they're they're not kidding. In The Exorcist, when the condensation is coming out of her mouth because the room is so cold, that is exactly what can transpire when you are in the presence of something that wicked. The warmth leaves the room and it is just, it drops to a temperature that you're just like, it's bone chilling. Um, there's usually an odor that accompanies that. There's, um, you know, there's just that your spirit feels an unease. I mean, you just, you know that it's there. But walking in the power and the spirit of Christ, you know. <laughs> My daughter has this meme on TikTok where this kid is like, he's making fun of the exorcist. And he's like, the spirit of Christ compels you. And, you know, they just keep throwing the holy water. I don't know about the holy water and all that, but I I do know this. If y'all don't have holy water, you better make sure you understand the power of the name of Jesus. When you're dealing with stuff like this. And you can utilize that. Here's my fun tip before I sign off with you guys today. Here's my, here's my fun tip of the day. And you can cross-reference this with Scripture. But the Scriptures say that even the devils know and knew who Jesus was, and they tremble. Right? So there are many humans that walk around and say, foolishly, there's no God. And that's the Bible's words, not mine. That basically you'd have to be a fool to know, to look through nature and everything, even a cell under, a, you know, in a Petri dish, under a microscope and not be able to tell that there's a creator, right? And if you're not there, that's fine. I still love you. It's all good. Keep tuning in. Uh, Keep emailing me. I love answering your questions. I love atheists. Y'all are great because you stoke my faith. I, lo- I don't see you as like the big abomination of the world at all. I love your questions because it strengthens my faith. And usually we end up becoming really close friends. Tom Rath. So, <laughs> I um, when you're dealing with things of confusion, if you walk into a room, if you're dealing with people who are contentious, if you will simply say a prayer in the name of Jesus, I promise you, you'll see the atmosphere of that room, of your city, of your state, of your country, your family, beginning in your families. Some of you lie down next to devils, <laughs> Right? Yesterday the lesson was on pardoning your spouse, pardoning people in your life. Today I'm going to leave you with this. If you're living with devils, if you are a Christian and you are not calling upon the name of Jesus everywhere your feet tread, you are missing the power of Christ on this side of eternity, which absolutely dwells within you if you have received him as your Savior by faith. And that goes for the president, too. Hopefully Paula White is enlightening him to these very powerful, powerful truths of Scripture that are right there at his fingertips, no matter what room he goes into. We've seen the power of God work on behalf of justice, so believe and it shall be done to you. According to your faith, I love you guys so much. Thanks for joining me. You can follow me on Twitter at Monica On Your Talk. I'm there usually 11 a.m. on uh, Periscope. What is this? Am I just gonna hate you? <laughs> I'm not gonna pardon you from this. <laughs> I really hate you. I hate you. I just don't like you. You're such a jerk. I cannot believe <laughs> you went there. No. This is like up in Doug Collins' district too. <laughs> I really hate you. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Who was the other man? Oh, God. Here we go. I'm so sorry. This represents my state, America, but just let it play, Mr. Fee. Just let it play. Oh, I'm not ask you about his hand. <laughs> oh, God. If he says that line, I'm going to hang up on you. <sighs> Uh This I don't is from think the movie. You understood me, uh I want to get some drivers, Deliverance. I'll drive this car. And that car down to Ain'tree. Drivers, you understand? Driver, driver, brothers. The who? The driver, brothers. Where are they live? it back that way. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> This day, yeah, you can, you can ride through Raven County uh, where the Chatuga River is, yeah, and see a sign on the Hambriton sign on the right on the side of the road every now and then. Yeah, I hear banjos. <laughs> <laughs> there, this goes on and on. This is up in Matt Gertler's district, actually. But <laughs> <The laughs> Matt's running for Congress. <laughs> Check out his website, I think it's MattGertlerForCongress.com. All right, there's my one plug. Oh, deliverance. That talk about a scary movie. I can't even walk through the woods without thinking about those freaking hillbillies. We got lots of them here too in the state of Georgia. We love you. Get out and vote. Rock that vote. <laughs> Monica On Air Talk on Twitter, Monty Matthews on Facebook, M-O-N-I-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. Subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. Share them with your loved ones, colleagues, and people you don't like especially. Uh, Remember, be good to your neighbor beginning with yourself. And if you're an American, remember to pray for the president and act like one.